Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, January the 26th, 2024. And amazingly enough, for a Friday, this is the first That Was The Week show of 2024. Last week I was in Mississippi, the week before at DLD, I think the week before Keith was somewhere else. So, Keith, Happy New Year. Thank you. And by the way, I just want to say this. If you weren't there, it didn't happen. But actually, it isn't the first That Was The Week of 2024. It's just the first Andrew And you said that you spoke to camera for 24 minutes and people said to you it was all right, which is their way of telling you, Keith, that really you shouldn't probably be speaking directly to camera. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, that's my... You need to replicate. You need to create an artificial version of myself when I'm on the road or I need to create one of you. Exactly. Well, it's a good opportunity to talk all things tech, but I was... Slightly disappointed, Keith. <laughs> of course, you're, you've got this horrible AI art, which always looks the same, doesn't matter what the subject is. But there's not a lot of tech this week, certainly in the editorial. Civility and civilization, what's happening? What are you writing about this week? Well, it, it kind of is tech. Uh, the TED conference, which listeners may or may not know about, but the TED conference is... Everybody all... knows about TED. Even They even know more about it than uh, that was the week. Right. So the TED, the TED conference has had a bit of a brouhaha because it invited um, a couple of um, speakers, uh, Barry Weiss and... Um, uh, what's his name? Bill uh, Ackman. Bill Ackman. The, uh... um, who, who are both very vocal in their support of Israel uh, to speak at the conference. And that led to some TED fellows, as they're called, which is just basically people who pay TED a lot of money to resign, uh, um, uh, very loudly resign, which then led to 30 other TEDers um, writing a letter to the curator and owner, Chris Anderson and his director, um, complaining about these pro-Israeli views being present and being invited. Um, I won't repeat the language that was used by by the opponents of Ackman and Barry Weiss, but uh, suffice it to say that they're, they're accusing them of supporting genocide, which uh, is a word that I think one must be especially careful when one uses um, to make sure it's accurate. Although, um, and I don't want this to degenerate into another conversation about Gaza, but if you're going to use that word, uh, what's happening in Gaza these days is about as good a, an example as you can probably find, certainly in uh, in the 21st century. Well, I dis- I see, I disagree with that. I, I think I care about the word a lot. I mean, and I think it describes uh, a self-conscious intent to wipe out a people, I mean, kill a people, based on their specificities. And honestly, Andrew, no matter how terrible what's happening in Gaza is, and, and it is terrible, um, I don't think that, that even Netanyahu, who I have no time for, 
is self-consciously trying to eradicate. Yeah, I and, and I don't want to turn this into a, a Gaza conversation. I actually strongly disagree with you, but that's another issue. So let's talk about, uh, I think when you allow people to starve to death, that's a form of genocide, may not be using concentration camps, but maybe uh, indirect genocide. Anyway, that's my opinion. You have a different opinion. This is not a show on Gaza. Yeah, and my editorial actually is, is I do state my opinion in the editorial, but I only, I only do it for effect because the primary point in the editorial is the need for discourse. And the, the reason I put the Greek debating chamber on the front is going all the way back to the early days of uh, civilization, it's been well understood that civil discourse is a requirement of knowledge. And the idea that, you know, somebody should be banned because of their views, or if they're welcome, then I'm not going to show up, is the opposite of civilized behavior. And, and in, tech, in tech, I'm seeing this polarization lead to that kind of attitude more and more. Um, you only have to listen to the All In podcast and some of the views on that that mock uh, people they disagree with. And, I, you know, I, I disagree with all kinds of things and I have other opinions. And I put my opinions in the editorial all, almost to, um, to say, look, you probably disagree with me, but does that mean you want to ban me? Um, uh, you know, and you and me are talking now, as you just said, you strongly disagree with me, but we can talk about things. Yeah, I, I have to admit, there's a certain kind of commentator, Ackman, Barry Weiss, and I'm sure you can find people on the other side too, who are just, for better or worse, profoundly offensive. Uh, so true, but that and, and that somehow reflects our age. We're going to talk about Musk. You you like Musk? I don't. I see him as a manifestation of of of, of our age and how profoundly offensive he is, but. I don't know what's wrong with, I mean, so if they quit, I mean, I would have quit. I'm not going to show up and listen to Ackman. Uh, well, what's the, wrong but, with that? But, 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 well, actually, you not showing up is fine. You asked I would, you I would quit if I was associated with Ted and Barry Weiss and Bill Ackman got invited. I would disassociate myself as quickly as I possibly could. Well, that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think I think there's something profoundly wrong with it because it's a, it's an illiberal uh, instinct that doesn't want you, you know it's almost like saying let me live in my bubble where everyone agrees with me. Why would anyone want to do that? But I think that by quitting from Ted, you're not putting an end to civilized debate civility and civilization yeah yeah, saying, yeah but... i don't want to be involved with this organization there's something again with ted there's something look the idea in itself about ted about all these happy people talking about happy things and everyone clapping well, that, yeah the yeah you're right andrew but that's a different point ted, ted is essentially elitist by definition due to the price to go but it's not just elitist it's the sort of it's the nature they're the sort of the 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 kumbaya attitude of, of talking and everyone applauding at the end i actually think it would be good that actually let, let me reverse it if i was involved with ted and i had a ticket i would show up and boo atman or barry weiss i think that would probably be well, more that, that, effective that, than actually um quitting 
I, I think that's a better instinct and even better still would be stand up and say why you disagree with them and make 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 them lose the debate if if that is well the there's right not a debate i mean the, one of the problems with ted is there is no debate there are no questions afterwards so that's one of the problems but there are other events where you can have audience participation although after a speech by weiss or ackman can you imagine what sorts of but the key is andrew that ted clearly is not a proxy for the state of israel it just isn't so whatever the state of israel is doing by ted inviting its supporters to a discussion does not make ted you know um, a partisan it isn't a partisan it, it's a discussion forum and so the whole spirit of and 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 you included the whole spirit of the times which is i don't want to talk to you because i disagree with you that is neither progressive nor civilized i wonder whether if this is i mean it did kind of happen 20 years ago with israel's invasion of lebanon there were lots of other controversial subjects in the 90s before the particularly before the internet i wonder how we resolve these sorts of things back then because people were just as outraged for example by the the the, the massacres uh, at the beirut uh, the refugee camps but it didn't generate this sort of controversy yeah i, I wonder why whether it's i mean it's easy to blame it and i've been guilty of this blame everything on the internet but i mean that the, the, the other thing about what i would this what i would crit be critical of your um idea is that somehow the greeks were civil and civilized although you know greek civilization if that's the right word was just as bloody i'm not sure they were capable of having objective debates about the invasion of persia or persian invasion of athens so i'm not even convinced that there was a great deal of civility back well it may well, have been at points but in many ways the, the classics of greek political philosophy and literature reflected uh, a longing for civility which didn't actually exist in the world well it's a symbolic use and uh, you know it doesn't really matter that much whether it was literally that civil but symbolically looking backwards from the 20 21st century um we recognize a whole history if you will of democracy uh, emerging you know the, the 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 enlightenment was a big part of that the rise of nation states and parliaments voting uh, uh, the end of slavery the right of women to vote um, all of those things represent the human race maturing into a body of people who are prepared to dis discuss debate make decisions um and move on and uh, and yeah but that's, you, know, you, that's... you could you could talk about the attempt to get trump off the ballot as as, as similarly um out of out of step with those trends the, the the belief that democracy is important and that open discussion is important is being replaced by you know you're not like me so i don't want to talk to you that that is not good yeah i'm the last person to defend now i wonder also whether somebody like ackman who seems to me to be a 
sort of a, a 21st century version of an 18th century aristocrat completely out of control with his own egoism and power and financial yeah. clout and ignorance whether he's a symptom of everything that's wrong with the because if he wasn't a billionaire no one would have any interest in anything he thinks or says well the thing is he's also a symptom of some things that are right like him standing up to harvard that was a good thing in my view i mean harvard was covering up um you know left and right and trying to preserve its leadership body when the leadership body had clearly stepped over some ethical lines and, yeah, and well, that's and, another complicated thing so what about on tech keys what 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 does or doesn't this reflect about tech i've had all sorts of people on the yeah. show talking about still how tech can solve all our problems can we blame tech for some of this stuff well i i, I think the politicization um is somehow trumping the 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 uh, the kind of collective optimism about tech so when tech gets politicized and it has been politicized really since before covid it's been strongly politicized and you can see in silicon valley you could probably date it back to people leaving to go to miami as the the first steps in that and miami uh, you know last week um keith raboy rejoined coastal ventures as their miami person and left the Peter Thiel's Founders Fund. Um, uh, you know, he's kind of the beacon in Miami. That that was, you know, basically libertarians breaking away from what they perceived as San Francisco socialists. So tech has become politicized. Uh, however, I agree with you. Uh, tech and politics are, are, are not related. Uh, tech stands alone, uh, like science does, as being, you know, either useful or not based on its merits. And and I think that this is a sideshow, it's a distraction. And I, I honestly would, the, my call for civility really is a call to let's focus on tech. Let's stop focusing on... on, on um, so we spent the first 15 minutes not talking about tech. And as I said, I, I for me... The fact that people don't want to have anything to do with Ted is is their right, and 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 I think it might actually manifest a degree of civility. I mean, they're not throwing bombs at Chris Anderson at Ted; they're just simply saying, "I don't want to have anything more to do with you because you've invited these people, who I find profoundly immoral, to to your event." So actually, yeah, I don't. I the critique isn't that they have chosen not to go. The critique is they asked the organizers to prevent others from going. Hmm. Well, it certainly reflects a, an illiberalism at the core, perhaps, of the 2020s. What about tech, Keith? There's enough, enough Ted Ackman. We, we need to have, every time I hear the guy's name, Bill Ackman, I want to have a shower, and Barry White <laughs> uh, as well. Um, what, what's happening in tech? We haven't talked for three weeks. Anything interesting? Um, How's the year open? The, the the big tech companies are more and more powerful, the big seven in particular, or is it the big six now? Because Tesla, amazingly enough, is slowing down. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla. well, you know, there's a conspiracy theory here that Elon Musk is um, purposefully saying things which reduce the share price of Tesla. 
um, there's a bit well, maybe of maybe it's Bill Ackman and Barry Weiss. Well, there's a bit. No, there's a there's a back story here, which is that uh, Musk's board want him to do AI through Tesla, and he said, "Well, I, I'll only do it if I have twenty five percent of the company, and I only have less than fifteen percent today." Um, and there's a bit of a standoff, and of course, Musk has a separate company called XAI. Um, so. Musk and the Tesla board are, are, are at a moment of disagreement. And uh, the earnings call, Musk uh, said 2024 is going to be a difficult year because we're re-gearing everything for new models in 2025. And the stock has lost about 25%. Um, it's, it's around $180. And they've reduced their prices. So a lot of criticism from the rest of the auto industry. I was in... Um mississippi last week and we rented a, a tesla three driving around mississippi i think we were the only tesla in town but you can drive around it gave me more faith i think in evs and the infrastructure and indeed the quality of tesla cars we have two here and i think they're excellent cars yeah and they're getting better there's a new model three for 2024 that is a significant upgrade to the 2023 one so are you saying that I mean, presumably by reducing the price of Tesla stock, you should make, we've got the image of Magnificent Seven being now reduced, image of cowboys for people just listening. I mean, Musk is shooting himself in the foot as well. It doesn't benefit him for Tesla stock to crash, does it? Well, you know, they sold 1.8 million Teslas last year, partly because of price reductions. And even though they reduced the price, the margin on a Tesla is still, I think it's about 18%. Whereas, for example, Ford loses money on every EV it sells. So te Tesla is, is, you know, the only EV company that's in good shape to make a profit from selling EVs. The Model Y is the world's largest selling car now. It beats Toyota's. Yeah, my street include. We have a white Y. There are more white Ys on my street in San Francisco than there are in all the other cars put together. And it's sometimes hard to distinguish that maybe San Francisco. Meanwhile, the other big tech companies are doing extremely well. You have one article you're featuring in the newsletter about Google's new AI video generator looking incredible. Is the reason why Google stock and Microsoft stock uh, is doing so well is because investors are beginning to realize that they are really the future of AI? Well, I, I think that's true at a, at a high level, but I think there's some micro reasons. Um, ba basically, uh, for the last two years at least, it hasn't made sense to invest in the S&P 500 um, because only seven companies have been driving it. So if you just invested in those seven you would do better than if you invested in the index. Yeah, it's a Professor Galloway. He's been doing that for years, or at least sending that message. And I'm yeah. sure he's getting obscenely rich through Yeah, that. so, but un underneath that is this whole question of uh, leaders and indexing, um, which I, I find fascinating. And, and I do Explain think what you mean, leaders and indexing. Well, the, the, the instead of buying 100% of a... Of, of a group, you try to figure out the top 10% of those 100% and just invest in those. And that's your index. The index is, is you know, higher quality, smaller number of players. 
And in any index, there's a range of values. But you get there all the, I mean, you hear of all these people make living, many people make livings on stretches for the stock market. But over the last couple of years, if you just bought the stock of the, the top six tech companies, you'd become horribly rich. Uh, well, so why do we need all these fancy tech investors when a lot of it seems obvious? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I have a wealth management company that tells me what to do with my money. And a year ago, they told me to sell Tesla, Apple and Netflix. Are you going to give us the name of them, Keith? No, because because they're risky uh, and instead invest in some uh, ETFs that are much broader. And and I I said no. I hope um, you doubled down. I said no. And um, except for Netflix, I let them sell Netflix. Netflix is the best performer of the whole group. I've always been bullish on Netflix. Every time it's happened year after year after year. Every time people write them off, they come back. There's something remarkable about Netflix. It's a good story there. I think it's because the CEO has been there from the beginning and, and, and they're always one step ahead of everybody else. But, they're never yeah. going to become Apple or Google or Microsoft, but they are a genuine tier below. And there aren't many, excusing the pun, Keith, uh, there aren't many there, there aren't many companies in that tier below. Look what's happened, for example, to PayPal, absolutely decimated recently. Yeah. And well, going back to your point about isn't it obvious? Well, clearly it isn't obvious. Otherwise, my advisors wouldn't have said that. Maybe we. I should get in the business of being a, a, a tech advisor. Anyone my advice, I charge $200,000 a minute. Um, and then speaking, you've always been very, very bullish on open AI. Uh, I have to admit, I slightly warier, but uh, you have a piece uh, in the newsletter about open AI being a relative steal. Are you still bullish in 2024, given all the controversy about uh, Altman and the management of the company and all the lawsuits against them? Well, th this is um, coming from the information, and it's a story about multiples. Uh, it says there that OpenAI's valuation is 54 times its revenue. But then if you look to the left, mm. Perplexity AI is 150 times its revenue. It's in a, at an earlier stage. Perplexity AI, you should all try it. Um, it's a replacement for Google. And it's... Yeah, we've it, heard about it. Or someone was mentioning it actually at DLD. I think it was... Um... Albert Wenger, who, who's quite impressed with it. Yeah, no, it, 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 I mean, it is just a search engine, so it isn't as good as ChatGPT, but it does include ChatGPT um, within it. So if you, I did a search this morning for Andrew Keane on Perplexity Hour, and it knows a lot about you. It, it, it told me all about your background. Well, I'm not going to go on it then. A lot of talk at DLD, Albert Wenger, for example, believes that there is going to be a crash. Well, what's your take, Keith? Is there going to be, I mean, you look at these numbers. I, I don't know about I mean, but perplexity, hugging face, fast data, anthropic, glean, Harvey. Some of these people weren't even heard of. Are they going to be around in a couple of years, do you think? Oh, yeah. These are all, this is a long-term transformation of technology. And that doesn't mean that the AI, that the, the first wave of AI companies are going to be around. It, well, any individual company, we shouldn't predict what will happen to it because we don't know. But we can predict that the user interface to knowledge 
is going to change from typing in keywords to get results mm. to conversational style with increasingly excellent answers. Uh, and and that just is the way it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it reminds me of the shift from the closed gardens of the closed wall gardens of AOL to the open world of Google in in the late '90s, which seemed obvious. But it takes time for it to happen. Uh, you had an interesting piece on Instagram. Lots of uh, one of the big stories, of course, 2023 and 2024 will be regulation and uh, Instagram now. Uh, supposedly can scan under 18's messages to protect against inappropriate images. Does that bristle your libertarian soul, Keith? Are you troubled by this sort of thing? I think it's outrageous. Uh, uh, I mean, you know... Even 18... with your own kids? You don't want your own kids? I mean, I don't think you have... I, you do have one under 18-year-old. Do you want them to... Let's just be... Honest. have access to inappropriate images? I think all healthy under 18-year-olds already have access to inappropriate images and we shouldn't we shouldn't try to change the course of human history by cleansing our under 18-year-olds of anything. Well, you never will. I mean, just as porn mags got banned or put on the top shelf in our day, then they're always going to find ways around it. Is this just Facebook or Instagram's marketing department telling people what they want to hear and not really doing anything yeah but i think there'll there'll be a backlash against it um uh, you know people are already flocking to signal uh, for messaging and other end-to-end encrypted platforms if, if if you can't trust meta to host your life even when your life includes what may be considered inappropriate images which are let's be honest not that inappropriate human beings are kind of interested in each other, including the naked form. There's nothing inappropriate about that. It's normal. So the idea that you demonize um, these images is inappropriate and the 17 or 16-year-olds who look at them... Yeah, we do have laws on that. You're not allowed to show each other images of uh, uh, unclothed children and, and, and there yeah, are laws about whether or not under 18-year-olds can look at pornography. Yeah, exactly. But that, I think Instagram is crossing the line into that realm. Uh, we're not talking about uh, legality. Here. We're just we're talking about taste. So we talked about open AI. You still think it's a relative steal. What about um, Sam Altman's other company, WorldCoin? Um, is this going to become a big story or is this I'm a bit go away? I mean, it seems enormously ambitious and yet it in a sense, makes sense. It's very troubling, very chilling in some ways. Well, uh, yeah, I'm actually perplexed by the story because I you and I have spoken about it before, and I I made the point that this orb, which is an eye scanner, a retina scanner, seems to be huge overkill. What what they're trying to do is to create um, uh, a unique representation digitally of a single human being where no other human being can claim to be more than one person. And the, re the reason they need to do that is they want to give free cryptocurrency to everyone in the world, but they only want to give you it once. To want, you, they, they, you, they don't want you to masquerade as two people. So they're using eye scanning. It's very hard for me to believe that 
the you super... came up with this idea. I mean, I, I'm not sure if uh, Altman came up with it first, but you had this idea of giving out free crypto in exchange for personal details. It's not that different from the Web 2.0 model, is it? Yeah, no, I, I actually started building something that was that was um, uh, a universal form of um, uh, universal basic income that everyone could have uh, but you have to recognize that most of the world is poor do, and many people don't even have a smartphone or a network to connect it to and so you need to identify people using different methods and um, this, this seems to be a super expensive overkill and now they're rebrand they're, they're changing it that's the story the story is they're changing this device to be less frightening Apparently, it's been frightening for people. Well, you, I mean, it's its quite literal. You're not selling. I mean, it's the old idea of selling your soul. You're selling your body, essentially. Well, you're, free, you're giving free crypto, isn't that? You're, you're, you're giving the network a way to identify you as you. Uh, that's the problem they're trying to solve. And it's, you know, I can't believe this is the best way to solve that problem. I don't know about you. Um, and, and so then I, start to doubt the whole thing i doubt worldcoin not because of the idea but because of the orb it's as almost as if some novelist read shoshana zuboff's surveillance capitalism and then invented worldcoin it seems the logical conclusion to what uh zuboff at least identified as surveillance capitalism so there'll be more stories about that i mean more Chilling stories, more of a reaction. I wonder, like Musk, Altman runs more than one company. How committed do you think he is to WorldCoin? I think he's philosophically very committed because he understands that AI is going to reduce the working day, uh, possibly to zero, um, and that people will need to have uh, value distributed to them so that they can spend that value on living. And and so I think he's philosophically very. And as Albert, that's Albert Wenger's a world after capital. So it would be interesting to see. Certainly, be something we cover in twenty twenty four and onwards. We're finishing Keith with our favorite uh, conclusions. To that was the week. Firstly, startup of the week is um, a loyalty startup built. Tell me about them. Why are they interesting? They're mainly interesting because uh, in, in, in a time of depressed valuations, uh, down rounds and uh, write-offs, they have raised uh, a lot of money at a unicorn times three valuation for uh, rewards, which is all about consumer loyalty. And so that appears to be a, sig a, a few different signals are buried inside there. The first signal is that uh, consumer loyalty is, is a big business. And the second is that um, companies with traction still get big valuations and can raise well, There's money. a bit of a boring, I mean, it's an old model. It's a bit of a boring. Does that reflect the fact that the market now is rather conservative and that VCs yeah. have been burnt on so many fronts, are only willing to invest in proven models. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, there's a big brouhaha at Andreessen Horowitz this week because Connie Chan left. Yeah, you had, you're had you featuring that story also. Yeah, and, and the context there is that uh, she's their consumer person 
and uh, Andreessen has decided that consumer is going to be all about AI. Uh, she probably disagrees with that, I'm guessing. Uh, and Andreessen wrote a long piece, which I put in the newsletter, about why they believe that. Now, at the same time, uh, uh, Lara um, Hippo in New York, Ken Lara um, is the, the one of the founders there with Eric Hippo, they announced that they're moving from consumer to B2B. Which so is the classic move in times of bust. You also, I think this is after the newsletter went to bed, you, you sent me a link to an FT piece on light speed tapping the private equity playbook, suggesting this is a sign of the times. How does this tie into what's happening in venture? Well, it, it, this is um, light speed, which is an excellent investor um, selling 10 of its prize assets that it values at a billion dollars into what's known as a continuity fund. Now, what that means is the investors in Lightspeed want their money back, uh, which is a, a common refrain from limited partners in funds. We want our money back. And Lightspeed doesn't believe it's the right time to sell. So what they do is they put these assets into a new fund. They transfer them to a new fund. They get someone else to put the money into that new fund. Uh, and that money goes to the investors in the old fund. And so it's it's like a relay race um, where the old investors are passing the baton to some new investors in what's called a continuity fund, meaning we're keeping going with these 10 assets. Uh, but we've, we've found a device to let you guys get your money back. Is this, uh, do you think these people who want their money back, it strikes me that often they will regret it. They're the... Uh... When, when the going gets tough, uh, it's always the people who want their money back that regret it and then the, and the tough win out in the end, the people willing to take risk. Uh, that, that will probably end up being true, although I, I will say that the pressure to get your money back uh, is enormous uh, right now because of the vast amount of capital sitting frozen in companies that were invested in between 2020 and 2022. So that pressure is, is enormous. And the LPs who want their money back, um, you know, their source of capital is typically pension funds or endowments. So they're dealing with, uh, with the people's money, if you will, often. Um, and, and, and so wanting it back isn't a self-serving thing. It's, it's so that the ecosystem can, can continue. Well, they're not doing it because of the people. They're doing it because... They have their own particular interest. Well, the the fund has its interest, yeah. But if you're managing, you know, the California State Pension Fund, your interests are should be aligned to the employees of the California State. Although they were never asked in the first place about whether they should in, invest in speculative tech ventures, this story will run and run and run. Finally, you got the X of the week. I have to say, Keith, maybe we should change this to something else because it's so self-serving x of the week we all know what it you know it's no longer twitter it's musk's version of twitter a lot of people hate it you still have some faith in it i don't like it uh, and this week the x of the week is not just promoting musk's company but promoting musk himself what's he been up to well you'll remember that musk was accused by by um the Anti-Defamation League of being anti-Semitic at one point. 
what happened this week is well, one... he, because and let's be clear, because he promoted some neo Nazis on X, not just promoted, not just allowed them to broadcast their horrible comments, but um, actually said, retweeted or approved them in some way. I don't know if they were Nazis, but they were probably well, they were neo Nazis, shall we say? Yeah, not... but but I mean, anyway, there are many Nazis left; they're all dead. But people who approve of the Nazis. Anyway, the, the point was he was accused, uh, whatever the merits of the accusation. This week he visited Auschwitz. He may have been uh, at DLD where you were. Yeah, he wasn't at DLD, but I'm sure he was at uh, Davos. Yeah, right, so. it was probably Davos. And he visited Auschwitz with Ben Shapiro, who obviously is Jewish. And um, Who's Ben Shapiro? Ben Shapiro is a, a, an ideologue, a very pro-Israel, self-declared Zionist. So, um, uh, but a very articulate version of Ackman. Very articulate, intellectual, uh, right wing on most issues. Um, uh, anyway, he he took Musk to Auschwitz. They toured, and then they did an interview. And um, the interview was it's worth watching. I mean, Musk was almost unable to speak due to the impact it had on him to be there um, well he could have gone to uh, the zone of interest and just watched it it's not as if uh, the story of auschwitz it shouldn't be something that's unknown to him no he, he he actually says in the interview that he knew all about it but that seeing it and the scale of it and the scope of it with your own eyes is very different to watching it on a two-dimensional screen so uh, I've never, sorry, I've never, I've never all the response, Keith, is as sympathetic. Uh, the New Republic, which is no great fan of Musk, says that he essentially used his, and I'm quoting the New Republic here, he used his visit to the Nazi death camp to try to promote his own failing social media company. Is there any truth to that? I, I think he was trying to do something very personal for himself actually i don't think so why didn't he do it without the press he could have gone I, on his own actually I, I don't think he did it with the press ben shapiro asked to interview him afterwards and he said yes but well, you know but Mark, all accidentally he, he wanted to go privately and and then ben shapiro look my, my, i don't think you can complain that musk speaks publicly uh, the tweet if you go back to the tweet uh, what the tweet says is um i wish more leaders spoke for themselves um it's down below you've got the top one this one here it's only me doing these posts on x and i would recommend leaders of the world just literally post their own stuff so actually he's uh, against the pr layer that sits between people uh, um, and and believes that direct messaging like this is me this is what i think uh, is better and i agree with him on that i think i i think it's okay that he did what he did this week even even good and um quite moving when you listen to the interview yeah i have to say that i, I again civilly disagree i think <laughs> i'm not sure if the new republic's right but i don't care what elon musk does and i i'm certainly completely uninterested in him going to auschwitz and i don't care what he thinks of it i have no interest in anything he says i think it's i guess it's like ackman i mean musk is a is who another do you, who do you have an interest in well, i'm interested in what you say keith otherwise we wouldn't be doing the show but certainly <laughs> musk's 
it's just a sort of, I don't know what you would call him, a showman, an emotional showman. I think there are lots of connections between Musk and Trump and this ability to always be in the public eye and always be the center of the storm and always somehow get away with it and have people either loathe him or love him and very few people in between. I think we should, yeah. in all seriousness, I think we need to, certainly for this show, I can't tell you what you put in the... Uh, in your newsletter, but I think we need to broaden it from X of the week to social media comment or comment of the week, and maybe have some from X. But because Musk has so personalized X, it's it's hard to think of it without thinking of him. Not for me. I mean, I I rarely see him on X. I see lots of people on X, mostly venture capitalists, because that, that's who I choose to follow. But um, X is whatever you want it to be. You know, X is X. Yeah, I think I think there's some stuff in threads that one could use. I think Facebook, not really. Instagram, not really. Um, well, Instagram's getting censored, so uh, you're not allowed to have any inappropriate <laughs> images. Maybe we should, maybe we should have inappropriate images, Keith, at the end. Inappropriate image of the week. How about that? Yeah, and I, 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 I I'm going to, and then we would get into trouble. We would get, into and trouble. then we could all go to uh, some camp where inappropriate images were distributed and, and feel sorry for ourselves and, and and say we were shamed and disgusted. How about that? Well, you know, when things are attacked, the worst thing you can do is to is is to become a caricature of the other side. So we shouldn't do what you just said. And final question, Keith, seven minutes to Tottenham versus Manchester City. Much more important question than anything we've discussed today. Can can Tottenham beat City in the fourth round of the FA Cup? They can. It doesn't mean they will, but they certainly can. No, that's not an answer. Yes or no? Yes, they can. Will they? No. <laughs> Probably. Ex Excellent. That was long, 41 minutes. Yeah, well, we got stuck on the bloody Jews. You're funny. You definitely have a Jew thing. I used to be against the Jews. Now you're surrounded with them in Palo Alto. I've never been against the Jews. I, 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 I never... I'll tell you what. I didn't used to think, I, I, I still think this, the Israeli state is a really bad solution for anti-Semitism. I, I take my lead from Trotsky, who said it's a bloody trap. Um, that said, it's pretty hard to blame the Jews for it because it was the Brits and the Americans who engineered yeah. the whole thing. What about Germans? They did a they helped a little bit too. Uh, that, that, well, they pumped the, they primed the pump, and then Churchill, can we blame Elon Musk, can we? What and about Blackman? And Churchill and Roosevelt said, "Well, we don't want There's them here." There's nothing worse, though, in my view, than morally uppity Jews. I just find them so offensive. Ackman and I mean, Musk said he what was he an aspirational Jew? I, I think he he he's got a bit of Jew in him too. I I, I don't like um, I don't like. Israelis who are blind to Palestinians. The idea that the Jews have some special case that, especially people like Ackman, I mean, it's just obscene and absurd. There's some well, you know, you know, venture investor there is, there is a, speaking from moral superiority. He's just shut his mouth. There is a special case that, that I mean, if, if, if we were alive in the 30s, and you know, by 1939, we knew what had happened. And 
every Western country didn't want Jewish refugees. It, the concept of Israel as a safe place would have made sense. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go and watch the Yid Army now. Good luck. I'll talk to you. Know, actually, next week I can't do it. I'm in New York, but maybe. Um, well, we'll are talk you, in the week. Are you there all weekend? Yeah, I'm um, Thursday to Monday. So it's the next week. I mean, I might be able to. Are you doing uh, social stuff or work? Yeah, I'm going to see the kids. It's my birthday, so I'm I'm in DC. Next don't worry, week. don't worry. I'm uh, if I have to, I can do the face to camera stuff. I wouldn't do the face to camera. I don't think it's good. I mean, I didn't look at what you did, but I think you're better off just leaving it. I mean, no, maybe we can do something on my, on virtual, but I can't do it on the Friday. Um, you can't do it on, well, Thursday's too early, right? Thursday's too early. I won't be ready. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Actually, I, I'm not going to be able to. Don't worry. Don't I mean, worry. I might be able to answer, but yeah, I because once I'm on the road, I'm too busy. Well, I'll talk to you in the week. I'll put this right. up now. All right. Enjoy, Enjoy the game. Bye. Bye.